Coming back for PTS3 Safe Sanity. And today we have three returning podcasts by uh, panelists. And that is Saboni Wright, Andrew Bridgemoha, and Beauty Colade. And we have a special guest. Her name is Wanda Chen, and she's the senior academic advisor for the GPS program at Lehman College. But she was also our PTS3 advisor a couple of years ago. So we're excited to have her and talk to her about different topics. Um, everyone, you guys can say hi. Hi. Hi, hi everyone. Hello. All right. So the first um, segment is an icebreaker. So Wanda, since you're our special guest, you'll be deciphering and letting us know who you think, um, whose story is it. So basically, our three uh, other panelists wrote three stories, and I'll be reading them to you, and you could use your detectiveness to decide whose story it is, okay? Sure. So let's start with story number one. When I was six years old, I would see my parents sucking on the bone from the meat to get all the flavor. In my eyes, it looked like they were eating the bone completely. Thinking that, I decided to swallow a big bone and started choking immediately. My dad had to perform the Heimlich maneuver on me to get it out. <clears throat> that sounds terrible. It all right. Does. Wait, wait, wait. Can we read through all of them? First? Yeah, yeah. I am going okay. to read all of them. Then let's move on to story number two. So I was returning home from the lab. And as soon as I got home, I went to my room. I didn't realize my room wasn't completely closed until the dogs in the house I lived in came in. At first, I was not scared when one of the dogs came in. I became scared when the second dog came in and started barking at me. It jumped on my bed. I fell and my laptop fell as well. I felt like the world was coming to an end. This was the second time I felt attacked by a dog at my internship. These are all like crazy. Why do you so uh, dramatic stories? <laughs> dramatic <here. laughs> stories, exactly. I was thinking the same thing. And the third story. In the seventh grade, I sprained my ankle on the apple picking trip when I slipped on an apple. Never thought an apple could be that dangerous. In the right. eighth grade, I sprained my ankle again. This time I went to the hospital and got crutches because I fell off of my sister's bunk bed. My mom didn't believe me at first, so I did end up going to school the same next day. <clears throat> so we didn't have a theme for these stories, but this theme is tragic. <laughs> it's very tragic. Okay, so let's see. Story number two, I kind of thought of someone. Mm, someone who works at the lab, who has done an internship. And who are who's scared of dogs? That's right. I feel like all of them have worked at a lab, so I don't know. Really? <laughs> I actually don't know. Well, I don't know. I didn't know Andrew did, if he did. He does. I did, know. I did. Oh, really? Well, okay. Mm. <laughs> and then the third story, I feel like this is someone who 
maybe a bit of an accident prone person. I feel like I'm going to guess this all wrong. <laughs> uh, I want to say the second one. The second one about was, the dog. Right. Is, is it? I can go in like out of order, right? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is what I think. I think the first story is Andrew. Hold on, let me look at everyone's faces. <laughs> I think the first one is Andrew. The second one is Shavoni. The third one is Beauty. If I guess that all correctly, I, I need to give myself that. You, do, you could take that pat back. Because you did not guess that. <laughs> hey, did I get anyone right? You did get one person. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay, is it? You got Andrew. Hey. So I, I, I don't think I don't think anybody else is that stupid for that to happen. <laughs> Andrew is very accident prone. <laughs> oh, really? Well, yes. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm gonna assume Wait, a lot of things right now. Was Andrew? The first he one, was apparently. the bone. Oh, he, okay. he, he decided to eat the whole bone whole. <laughs> Listen, I thought I thought that was possible. Yeah, Andrew, what was in your little head uh six years old? That you could eat a bone perfectly fine, <laughs> nothing would happen. <laughs> I almost died. Well, I'm glad your dad knew the Heimlich maneuver <laughs> and saved you. All right, so Wanda, you Okay, well, fine. See, the second one, I thought of Shavoni first because I was like, okay, I know she worked at a lab. She did an internship. Not sure about if she liked dogs, <laughs> but I'm like, <laughs> just like, oh, I think, I think it might make sense. Right, right, right. So actually, Shavoni, that's not you, and you have a dog, no? Well, the house that I lived in for my internship had a dog. Ah. Uh, oh, so it's similar to Beauty Story because Beauty had... Wait, right, but I was not afraid of the dog. But she wasn't afraid of the dog. No, no, two number two about the dog being attacked and her feeling scared no, is beauty. <laughs> I, beauty. Thought, I thought that was like 100% shade. That's funny. I love that. Beauty, tell us about the story of yours. Um, yes, it was really, really terrible. Um, so the first time was actually when I was coming from the lab. I saw a dog. Um, they told me if I just walk past the dog without looking at it it wouldn't like disturb me and I did that and the dog started chasing me and I ran from the lab back home that was the first time and the next day (laughs) I was returning home from the lab and I got home went to my room did normal stuff and I realized my door wasn't closed completely when um the dogs and um our house in the house I lived in came in and yes, my day was completely ruined. I don't know. It felt like everything was coming to an end. I just wanted to like die, <laughs> leave the earth because like I felt really attacked. I think the event happened for an entire five minutes, and I just kept screaming in the house. Yeah. Well, the funniest thing is that I've seen a beauty scared of dogs live, because one of our students, Diani, bought a dog to the campus to our office oh yeah i remember that dude (laughs) beauty and hayford ran as fast as lightning it was hilarious it was really funny you think think that's true when they say dogs can smell fear though like i don't don't think that's true i think they can it's true yeah yeah they can sense a lot of things and then if you run and then people are like well he's just trying to play with you or she's just trying to play with you 
then like how does a dog think screaming and run like if they know you're scared is playing like I, then it has to be they're just purposely like doing it yeah i mean maybe because they're like you're screaming and running they're like oh no i'm friendly i'm friendly i swear and then they're running after you <laughs> probably probably <laughs> Yeah, the dog in my house, according to what my landlady told me, she told me the reason it barks at me is because it's protective. I don't know, which is weird. Like, I don't know why dogs should be protective. I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I don't even know something because I mean, but, it's not like a big dog. It's really tiny. Like, it was a tiny dog. Yeah, it's, it's always the really tiniest tiny one dog, that is most aggressive. It's really loud. <laughs> That's hilarious. And then Shay, uh, are your ankles okay (laughs) oh yeah um yeah that was an unfortunate time so like I was lucky enough that it didn't swell that bad because I don't know if you guys ever like sprained an ankle the swelling can really like stay with you forever so luckily it wasn't that bad of a sprain so I can still wear the same two size shoe but that was unfortunate I was more sad that I had to go to school (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's an ankle's crossed by an apple. Jeez. Yeah, I Guys, can never see that happening. Apples are dangerous. <laughs> apples are dangerous. That's, well, that's I know somebody who got their ankles broken because, like, when they were like running, their foot like went into a crack and they just fell. Like some dude mm-hmm. who just crossed them. I actually had a friend that broke their um, broke their ankle, broke their leg, broke something from just walking <laughs> like a crack. Wow, that's crazy actually that's why you guys need to do your senses so that we could repair the roads and the cracks on the streets census2020.com fill out your senses guys 2020 all right guys so Wanda how did you think were were you upset that you got I was really oh upset. Actually, I kind of knew the first one was Andrew because I was like, who would be on wow, the document? No, no, wow. it's because. No, no, no. You the- could just say, it. you'd be like, who would be the dumbest to do this? And you'd be like, oh, I wasn't even Andrew. thinking of that. It. I was like, oh, who would <laughs> yes, be on yes. the Google Docs? It's okay. I'm not offended. Uh, I'm not offended. That's funny. I know that too. <laughs> I swear, Andrew on every podcast just likes to highlight that he's dumb. I don't know why. He's a smart kid. 3.7 GPA. You guys are in the STEM program. What are you talking about? (laughs) That's hilarious. All right, guys. So our second um, segment is actually a pretty sensitive topic, but it's good to to kind of um, have everyone talk, give their opinion, and kind of bring this to awareness and I'm sure some people that are listening are also feeling this they also have their opinions related to this so that's why we wanted to do this topic so this topic is coronavirus related xenophobia to the Asian community so we're going to talk specifically about some experiences the Asian community have been experiencing during this coronavirus time but we don't want to discredit any other communities um xenophobia, experiences, racism. So just keep that in mind. All right, so the who's gonna start off the conversation and kind of give us some background information related to it is Wanda. So Wanda Chen, take it over. Hi, yes. Um, so I, yes, I understand that this is a somewhat very sensitive topic, very relevant, um, and especially because I identify with the Asian community, it's very personal and dear to me. 
Um, just want to say that May is the month for Asian Pacific American Heritage Month. So I'm actually really happy and hopefully this episode does come out within this month um, to celebrate, you know, what we've done. Um, but obviously COVID-19, it's a very global um, challenge, um, very unprecedented time, you know, currently for everyone. And there's a lot of uncertainty and comes with that isolation and um, anxiety about what's, you know, what's next week, what's going on with all these updates. Um, so I'm sure a lot of people are feeling a lot of these negative emotions from home. Um, but I think for our Asian community, um, there's an added layer of anxiety um, during this time. Um, I think, what was it, like two weeks into our shelter in place. So I would say early April, um, you know, I was already sort of inundated with so much information from the news about COVID-19, what does the governor have to say, what does the president have to say, all these different like, you know, policies updated or news updated. And then, you know, I remember one night, I, I'm, try, I, I'm the type of person who likes to wind down um, before the night ends so I can sort of like rest and get ready for like sleep um, to be well rested for the next day. Um, but I remember getting like, I think reading something on social media about like um, news of an Asian woman who was attacked in the Bronx um, by like teenage girls. And I mean, it's, it's not... I want to say it shouldn't be surprising, um, but I was sort I was I was actually a little bit like worried, right, and and anxious. And I remember, you know, I, I went to sleep right, right after reading this, um, but I did not get a good night's sleep. I woke up like way earlier than I needed to for work, um, and I felt very restless. And it's weird because I always think like, oh my gosh, like this can never happen like you know racism is it's um for me i I, sh I shouldn't have to see this during like in 2020 which you know i i shouldn't be surprised if i am but like i shouldn't have to because a lot of things are in the past it's you know history um but you know that's obviously not true because i'm reading about this and and it's not only happening obviously close to us you know it's happening globally so, you know, there's like very extreme cases of harassment and assault, like the, this woman who was throwing out garbage in her own, you know, outside of her house. And then she gets like a bucket of acid like, behind her with like, I'm just like out of nowhere. Like, why is that? Or like people getting harassed in the trains, um, like a family, I think in Texas with like a two year old was attacked physically. Um, they were an Asian family. And even like in Australia or, you know, in, in California and in, in many countries, you're I'm reading about all this news about, you know, Asians being physically assaulted, verbally assaulted or being discriminated against in like the workplace or, you know, different spaces, basically. And it's it's so concerning for me um, that. Like I said, we already are feeling a lot of uncertainty and challenges nowadays. Like everyone is feeling like what's going to happen. We don't really know when is this, this is going to end. We don't know if we have a stable job, if, you know, we'll be in school for, you know, the next year. 
And it's upsetting that there is a lot of anxiety and there is a lot of fear and there's a lot of anger that I felt. And I, I, I could, like, my body sort of felt it. And um, it came to a point where I, I was even like, you know, I'm ordering pepper spray and sound alarms for myself, for my loved ones, because I felt like there was a need to possibly, you know, have some um, self-defense, even though I'm like, I don't know about pepper, pepper spray and sound alarms. Let's see what you know what they can do, but like it just made me feel better too. I mean, better to right, be safe like, than sorry. This would help somehow, but it's just like my family, right. my like my parents. They immigrated. They're from China. They immigrated here, and they're not fluent in English. Like I am, hundred percent sure they are not going to be able to defend themselves verbally in English if someone were to go up to them and say something. And it's just like, okay, for myself, I, I can defend myself if I needed to, like, report or say something back. But, like, if they were, like, you know, out on the street or in the subway, if someone came up to them, I'm, like, I can't even imagine, like, how that, that would feel. And I, as their child, right, I'm, like, I, I would, like, be so upset and, like, stressed for them. So, like, knowing that this can happen to, like... You know, like the young and the old and anyone, you know, as long as people can, you know, target you, it's just like really upsetting to like, actually like foresee. Right. And like, I'm hearing about this now, but like, I'm sure once this shelter in place, you know, soon people who are going out again, um, there's going to be an uptake, an increase of reported incidents of harassment, which is what I'm so worried about Um, when we have a president that uses language like calling this the Chinese virus um, and and sort of in his language he's already sort of using an us and they you know words vocabulary like you're you're basically sending out a message saying Asian Americans that it's dumb you know us as Americans we're Americans they are they and he never uses inclusive language which is basically telling people like there's always going to be a differentiation between Americans and the other. Right. Um, so it's like very concerning, honestly, and it's like deeply, you know, upset with just how these you know news is coming out, and um, very worried for what this means afterwards. Yeah, I agree. Thank you, Wanda, for sharing that. I think, I think, I think the yeah, president sure. kind of saying it's the Chinese virus. It does create that kind of separation and targeting, and people use that as ammunition. Just like he does that with immigrants and things like that. He that's that's the biggest issue that he he that's how he thrives in America. But that's a different story. We're not gonna go there. <laughs> but right. what are you guys' thoughts? All right. I was just going to say, like, yeah, you can really see the uh, the targeting, like, how serious it is. So the example that we brought up before was the lady who got poured acid on her head. She It was actually sulfuric acid, right? And in the video, if you, yeah, if you can find the video, you can see that there, there's, like, a guy sitting by the step just literally waiting for her to come out. And then the moment she comes out, then he decides to get up and then pour the acid and run. So, like, no one else would really just wait for someone to just 
I mean, who'll just randomly just be in a corner just by a step, just sitting extremely late at the night and then just waiting. Yeah, that's disturbing. Mind you, this lady probably like was just having a regular day, minding her own business, and then she was like taking out the trash, and then that completely yeah. ruined. Like, I actually am worried about even going out. Like that's that's like when I was when I, after I read these articles, I was like thinking to myself, I'm already do not go out. Like I only go out two to three times or two to three weeks into three weeks, like every two to three weeks. So yeah, let's cut that. But like. Like, I was just like, I don't think I want to go out anymore, even if this is over. Like, and, and to let you know, I actually have brought this up to my manager. I brought it up to the union. I brought it up to Lehman officials. And I was like, you know, I'm hearing all of this. Um, what can be done? Because I don't feel safe, even if I were to return back to work, right? right? I have to take, I usually take the train three barrels in to get to the Bronx. I'm like, on and that, like level, like, I don't know how much I can, like, who am I going to meet, right? Um, so that's really concerning. Yeah, that is concerning. Honestly, I don't think I'll feel comfortable going to work right. after this. And for how long, we don't even know as well. So how long this is, this could be a while. <laughs> Beauty, you, you were going to say something? Yeah, um, I was going to say, like, um, it's really hurt to hear that um, people, especially like the Asians are, um, being discriminated and um, just like Wanda said earlier, um, they call these people sometimes Chinese virus or even Chinese coronavirus and they undergo all this sort of crazy discriminatory harassment. And I mean, because of this, just like Wanda pointed out, it's really hard for people to go out because they are scared, like Asians to go out because um, they are scared of being attacked and that sometimes could get like really crazy in terms of like let's say they are going out to just get groceries like would that be something that would act as a an as an obstacle for them to go out and get groceries sorry and um something i was also thinking about is even if they are going to like get medications too would, would that be something that would act as an obstacle and um i'm just really hoping that i mean for instance let's say um, for a, for an infected like Asian patient, right? I'm just really hoping they don't face the exact same thing in hospitals. So I'm really hoping that I mean doctors are not discriminatory. Um, sorry, they are not discriminating them on if they should get treated or not, or who would be like the higher priority to be treated. So um, that's what I'm just really hopeful for. Yeah, uh, that's a good point as well. I mean, even in general, um, coronavirus is affecting black and brown people at a higher rate because of the resources involved and the way, you know, doctors have to take care of um, these populations. Shay, did you have anything? Yeah. I'm really unfortunate that this is happening just in general, especially the climate that we're in. We think that people would just bind together and just really try to you know, come as one and just, you know, get past this whole pandemic, but racism is still alive. It really never went away. It was always existent. It's just now it's becoming more dominant for other groups than it was for them before. So this is just an eye opener, just the type of, just a type of um, people we are, basically, the type of state that we're living in. 
yeah. an issue like this and the climate that we are, it just really shows who we are at our core, you know? Yeah. I think, you know, I would, as I was sort of preparing for um, our podcast today, I was, you know, tuning into certain, um, what's it called? Con- somewhat like a conference, I guess, conferences and articles I was reading that we, you know, United States, we're known for to be like the American dream country where immigrants come to for, you know, better life. But at the same time, if you obviously know about our history, there's so much like, you know, negative. Um, there is the, the, the bad side of what America was built on, right? And there's definitely, we learn of slavery and, um, you know, people being abused and oppressed. And I mean, that's still going on in sort of different ways now, modernly, in the modern day. But, you know, we are not perfect in any way. And with this American dream, making America great again, there's also the the flip side of it. Um, And we see that more and more. um, People are being more and more vocal about it in in certain spaces. Um, And, you know, this COVID-19 and anti-Asian sentiment or harassment, it all ties into sort of, you know, what, how Asians are perceived and our experiences in America. And, you know, I shared the John Cho um, op-ed piece from the LA Times that he wrote and his, the title of it, it's, it's just everything that I um, sort of have been thinking. Coronavirus reminds Asian Americans like me that our belonging is conditional. Um, and he says, you know, something from the article he wrote, the pandemic is reminding us that our belonging is conditional. One moment we are Americans, the next we are all foreigners um, who brought the virus here. And, you know, even like watching certain videos, I really hate to because I feel like I really feel the emotions in them. But like when this woman would be saying like, you know, you know, go back home or like you don't belong here. Don't bring the coronavirus here. Right. But, like, if you're an Asian person who grew up here, America is the only country you know. Like, how do you tell someone just based on, you know, our appearance, like, you don't belong here? Like, what does that even mean to, like, an Asian American person? Right. Um, And I've always wondered, like, are our features, like, so different from Americans that we don't look like we belong here? Or is our culture so exotic quote-unquote that we can't get assimilated into this country and it's weird to like say all of this but you know our the messages that media like puts out there what's represented in on tv and in music and whatever tells us it sends a message to asians that we are always known as the other or a foreigner and that's like to me i'm like Maybe our cultures are very different, but maybe we're also not. Like, if you actually get to know people individually, we're actually more similar than we are different. And so it's it's very appalling for me to hear that. Um, and, like, you can see from history things like the Chinese Exclusion Act, when the Japanese Americans were incarcerated during World War II, when Vincent Chin, that the, the you know the death of Vincent Chin happened because they were fearing of the Japanese takeover of the auto industry, and then the most recent one in our history, post nine eleven, when 
South Asians and Muslim communities were targeted, right? Like those are all like very real events that happened in our history that tells Asians, you don't really belong. We only want to use you for like, you know, being put as like the model minority because, you know, we want to, we want to say like, oh, minorities can succeed in America. Look at the Asians. So you should not have an excuse that you can't do well either, right? And it's like, how do you say that? Like, why are you pitting like certain groups against each other? And why do we, why are we used as scapegoats in, in certain times, but not, you know, but can't be the same? Why can't we be also American? Like, why do we not belong here? Right. And so. Right. I agree. As you can tell, I'm so like angry, <laughs> but passionate. Here comes my rambling. No, no, I completely agree. I also think America has a history of doing that with various groups and communities. Um, so, like, you know, yes. for immigrants, it's like, um, oh yeah, thank you for doing the work. Okay, now please leave. Like, it's very, it's very like, we need you. We'll use you. We'll abuse you. We'll oppress you. And then when we don't need you, you're not. What you can't say you're American. You can't say, you know, about the American dream. And that's just immigrants. We're talking about the black community. We're talking about different communities. Right. So it's, a, yeah, it's an interesting experience. I wanted to just continue to piggyback off of Jamie and just comment on a couple of things that you had mentioned, Wanda. One of it being um, our belonging is conditional. I think that goes for, like Jamie said, a lot of different minority groups, minority meaning non-Caucasian, non-whites, because the reality is we don't decide what our stigma or our stereotype is going to be. Like you mentioned for Asians, you guys you know, in your perspective, have the label of the model minority, the stereotype that, you know, Asians are good at math or, you know, they could be successful. And for other groups, they don't have that. We don't get to de determine, you know, what our stigma is going to be. And it's, you know, the truth for a lot of us, all of our belongings are conditional just because of, you know, how the U.S. system and institution that was built was created. It was on the backs of other people that are not originally from here, but grew up here their whole life. And it's unfair. And then another thing I wanted to talk about as well is when you talk about, you know, your culture being exotic or if it's the exoticness of your culture or how you guys look in your visuals. And I think that's something very honest to like bring up in the conversation of just the Asian community being discriminated against. And I think, you know, part of it is that through a long, very long, long time, a lot of fighting, Black culture now is being recognized as something that's cool and popular. Back when I was growing up in middle school, there was a whole light skin versus dark skin. Just being dark skin wasn't even like a wave. You would get bullied on. You get bullied about it. You have people tell you, you know, call you certain phrases that people thought was funny, tell you to go back to your country. And then through a long wave of just trying to recognize yourself and, you know, being okay in your culture, um, now it's like, it's cool to be Black. It's cool to listen to African music. It's cool to dance to hip hop. And it wasn't, you know, part of it was us saying that it's okay and we recognize that you guys are not going to just decide what's, you know, nice or popular for us. But now it's being more accepted culturally. And I feel like maybe the Asian community or, you know, you're right, the Asian community hasn't had that assimilation yet, which is where you're getting this exoticness from or the xenophobia in addition to the visuals, but, you know, this 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 country is built on so much institutionalized race, racism and the president and the climate that we're in now, the stuff that he's saying, the stuff, stuff that he's blatantly saying without any type of 
repercussions, the the people that he's just funneling and challenging all this bold energy to come out and just, you know, blatantly say the racist and do the racist stuff that they're doing now. It's alive for a lot of different cultures. And, you know, like I said, now it's just being highlighted and more. It's just being highlighted in minority groups that it wasn't so prevalent in before, but it's very much alive. And I really feel like despite all of that, no one should have to go through this. You know, there's communities now, like if you go through the media, if you go through the news, there's um, officers still abusing Black people just gathering together in small groups when there's people that are white with guns marching along capitals, walking the streets, sitting in Manhattan, and that's not fair. Neither is it fair for, like you mentioned before, there's people that are Asian or whatever the case is, just being discriminated against just for existing. I don't think anybody should go through that. It just really goes to show the type of climate that we're living in right now and the type of people that we are. Like, the hard times just bring out the truth in people. Like, what are you going to do? That's about it. That's all I had to say. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah, I mean, I think... Me too. Yeah, same here. I think, like, you know, with what we're talking about, a lot of it is, you know, our frustration, um, what we see as an issue. Obviously, this is an issue, but I think the main takeaway... You know, people have asked me, like, you know, why Blacks are so vocal, you know, they're always fighting for their rights. Um, Why can't Asians do that? Or, like, why do I not hear the Asian population really, like, protesting or, like, going out there and and really fighting for what they want? And, you know, that's a great question. Um, I don't think, you know, you can say, like, why can't every Asian be an activist? Um, in some way, why can't we be more vocal politically or whatever? I think that's hard to say, and it really depends on the person. I do think that it there is um, the power to being vocal and using your voice in any way that you can. Even like I see a lot of like the fact that we have representation in our media, like in the most recent years, there's a lot of stories of um, Asians and written by Asians being on TV and media. Um, in books and I feel like those people are actually also coming forth in over like in social social media on tv to sort of say what they have to say to sort of make sure their voices are being heard and that these topics are coming to light uh, and I really wanted to sort of talk about this proverb that uh, I thought was really really relevant to this conversation which is until the lion tells his side of the story, the tale of the hunt will always glorify the hunter. So I think that that's an African proverb that I heard like many years ago, but I thought it was so relevant to us today and what it means to really be vocal about things that matter to us. When we see racism, when we see xenophobia, we see things that we don't feel comfortable and we know that it's wrong in the first place. I really hope that we do get to speak out and use our voice in some platform um, because it, you know, just because you're one person, it really matters what you say, right? Like you don't have to be like a president in order to sort of make a change or make an impact, um, especially for our Asian community. If you're being targeted, I know that some people just like don't want to talk about it or they can just brush it off because they make themselves think that it's really not a big deal right it was just you know something that was said towards me and you know I can totally just brush that off but 
honestly, we need those numbers. We need data to support the reason why we feel a certain way in order for policies to change or something to change. I was really happy to get communications um, from Lehman that said like, here's this hotline if you want to report an, uh, an incident. Um, we, because obviously that's saying like, we need to know what's happening to the community so we can do something about it. But I really hope that more can be done, honestly. Um, aside from knowing that, you know, uh, 1,500 reports were, you know, made in the past month, which is an undercount. Um, like, what are you actually doing to support, you know, our Asian students, staff and faculty, or, you know, the people in general? I want to know, like, how we can feel like we're being served um, and, and comforted in some way during this time, aside from just the report. Because, yeah, you're just telling me that this is here, but like, please tell me there's something that's being done with these numbers. Right, right. That's true. And I think America in general has a history of trying to make all our different groups against each other. And so I think my message that I want to say is I think this is our time to actually all unite and we could be so much more powerful in, in our messaging, in our experiences and in our advocacy if we were um, all more united and because um, we all have the same goal. It's just, you know, we've been kind of conditioned to think that we're separate or that we have to, that we're working on different goals, but we have the same goals and we should be more united and work towards the same thing and advocate within our, with, within our groups and within out our groups so that we could um, achieve more because we'll be able to achieve more if right. we're able to do that. So. All right, any last thoughts before we uh, finish this segment? <laughs> um, I think, I mean, you hit everything for me. I think um, for anybody that's listening right now, whether you're a min minority or person of color, black, immigrant, Asian, it really doesn't matter. I feel like if you're definitely experiencing anything right now, like Wanda said, there's power in your voice. You don't necessarily have to try to compare it to um, the efforts by other groups, but you know, there's definitely power in your voice to so just speaking out, you know, speaking out in your communities or speaking out to your job or speaking out just to other people, just so you guys could just figure out a way to address the problem. And like Jimmy said, I definitely think it's a good idea for everybody to come together to address the problem head on because there's definitely power in numbers. It's just so hard because institutionalized racism is real within our communities, within ourselves, within our homes. Like it's alive and well. Um, what's that? Um, ignorance as well, prejudice. They're all real and <laughs> definitely alive concepts and topics that just continue to affect us. It's deeply rooted in the American dream or American concept, but I think, you know, no matter what, there's room for growth and there's room to just change. It's just, you know, how bad do you want to be? Yeah. Right. I and I think it's, it's, it's good to acknowledge that there is definitely going to take time to change anything that has been um, institutionalized. Yeah. So also be patient. Okay. Very good. Well, thank you guys. I know that was a sensitive topic, but I think we all gave some good feedback um, and some good food for thought for everybody who's listening. Our next segment is how to study and get through finals without going insane. 
and Andrew has some key points and everybody could chime in if they have any other um, ideas about how to study for finals because it's coming up. All right, Andrew, take it over. Okay, so I have six points that I want to touch upon on how to get through finals week without, you know, getting that extra stress because we all know how stressful finals week can be. So the first um, tip is basically start early, like start ahead of your schedule because you don't want to be cramming the night before because you're not going to really retain as much information or even don't even study like two days before because mind you, you have multiple classes that you got to study for. No one's just taking one class. So all that stress that's going to be built up, you're going to end up pulling an all-nighter too. And an all-nighter is... Contrary to belief, like everybody's saying, like, I do all-nighters, that's not a good thing at all, because after a certain point, when your brain's just tired, you're not going to be getting any information, it'll be kind of like, it'll basically become you just staring at a blank piece of paper and not getting anything for the next four or five hours, so you might as well just get ahead, go to bed early, and stay focused. Um, The next tip is basically organize a group study session, so... When I say organize a group study session, like organize it with people you know you'll kind of get you'll get work done and not get too off track because there are times and I can relate to it like I've tried to have a group study session before, and all we did for the like three hours or two hours in the library was just goof around and joke around, so you gotta make sure you have you're with a group of people that you'll stay serious with and get your work done uh the third tip is. Of course, take breaks, and like I said before, with starting early, is like uh, stay stay well rested, because like I said before, you won't be able to really memorize or comprehend all the material at once. So just space it out, and you don't you don't want burnout either. So you just take a little breaks in between and reward yourself for you know uh, a work well done. Um, the next tip that I have to give is teaching your fellow classmates. So that's actually a really good thing because it enforces the fact that you've learned something. So if you can't recite something to your friend about a topic, you essentially, you know that you haven't fully understood or learned the topic in the first place and you might have to review that. Or if you end up remembering it, it just enforces the idea I mean, it it enforces the knowledge that you had if you're able to explain it to somebody. So not only does it help you, it also benefits the other person because they're learning. Um, And then the last one is revolving your focus. So you want to, what I mean by that is like basically switching up your subjects because if you're, for example, uh, studying for chemistry or by any other class really, and you're just studying it for two hours straight, eventually you're gonna get bored of the subject and you're gonna start dreading uh, studying that specific subject. So the moment you start kind of feeling bored of it or feeling drained, take a break and then go on to another subject that you have to study for. So you can feel kind of, in a sense, refreshed that you're learning something that you were previously like stressing out about before. Not saying that you're not stressed, if that makes sense. Maybe I'm going off on a tangent, but I'm sure you get what I'm saying. But yeah, that was basically the tips that will 
hopefully get you through finals week without going yeah, to I agree. I think um sometimes if you stay with one topic and you're not getting anywhere, you're just wasting time. So you might as well revolve to another subject and then come back with a fresh mind. So I like all your tips. Right. So Right. So on that note, too, so if people feel like, well, I don't have the time, well, like it's coming up really soon. Well, on the contrary to that, like if you're looking at something, you're not getting any information in, you're not doing yourself good either. So you might as well just take a break where you'll be doing something you enjoy and then come back to it. Anybody else? Beauty? I mean, Andrew said pretty much everything. Um, He covered most of the stuff I was going to add, but... uh... In addition, I would just say you should stay positive and hope you do well and definitely discipline yourself um, during the weeks of finals. So if you would need to make a study schedule, especially for that week, definitely do that or the week before. Yeah, that makes sense. Shay, any other tips for finals? I think Andrew just really summarized everything, and I definitely agree with Beauty. Making sure you guys stay positive, keeping a positive mindset, um, I don't know everybody's situation, but, you know, definitely staying positive, making sure that, you know, you eat a healthy breakfast and you study as much as you can, but also making sure that you're up to date on your campuses, pass or fail or whatever they have came up with in terms of deciding how to do your grades after. Because you want to make sure that you're not only passing your classes, but that you maintain a great academic standard as well. Good point, good point. Actually, Wanda, can you quickly? You totally are. Um, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but talk uh, talk about the oh, pass fail gosh. no credit credit kind um, of uh, situation. Well, I guess this is relevant. As you know, there is a withdrawal deadline coming up. It's May 14th. So that is if you want to withdraw from any of your courses this semester. In addition, this credit and no credit policy is CUNY wide. Um, basically, you have to stay with the course for the remainder of the semester and receive a final grade from the professor and then basically decide within, I think it's 20 business days after final grades have been submitted, whether you want to take it as a credited course or no credit course. Um, And I believe if it's a letter grade of some sort, it will be a credit course um, and no credits really reserved for like if you failed the course. Um, Both of them have some financial aid implications and may also affect your major if it's a major related course. Um, And for students, obviously, who um, are using these courses for like grad programs, like, you know, med school, whatever, you also want to be in touch with like the pre-health advisor or our pre-nursing advisor if you're going into that route. But you want to make sure that you're touching base with these advisors and financial aid, um, the office, just to see how this may affect you um, in the long run, because it can affect your financial aid, it can affect your um, SAP, right, and your progress towards graduation. So we want to make sure that you know, those things are not going to be impacted um, if they are, you know, which one would you rather choose? So speaking to these different people is going to be helpful for you to help determine what, which, which way you want to go. All right, guys. So thank you for joining. Um, I hope this was a fruitful conversation. If you guys have any questions or want to follow up with any of us, 
you could go to the Lehman website, check up our information. Our, we're there. <laughs> um, or you could email me as well. Um, okay. So everybody, thank you. thank you and have a good day. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye.